Heyo, and welcome to the Pure Joy Project. My name is Paul Lanigan, um, and I have a message put on my heart for you and for me that I just desperately have to share. Um, after church this morning at Harris Creek Baptist Church in McGregor, Texas, outside of Waco, this message had been brewing over the last few months, and I just like felt like like it had to come out, that the Holy Spirit had something that it wanted to say, and it's torn my heart up in the best way, and it's been so hard and so beautiful as I've like continued to learn this, and we'll learn about this forever. Um, I think this message is going to be titled, um, Greater Than I, Better Than Me, um, Exalting Others, I, I don't know. Um, whatever clicks, I'm sure the Spirit will bring clarity, I hope. Um, when I go to post it, but here I am recording it. So, um, I'm really just, I just want to talk about what, um, mind you, I'm sitting in my room in my apartment, um, alone. Um, it is 1147 AM on January 23rd, 2022, January 23rd. Yeah. Um, and it just feels like, like I'm itching and like, like I'm, like something has to like has to be said about this because I need this message so badly and I've needed this message so badly and I feel like we just we just like dismiss things and we don't think about this a lot um so I'm just going to pray and then I'm going to let it fly the holy spirit um I just need it to show up otherwise my words are so vain um lord help me believe that as well um all right um, God, thank you that you're you. Thank you that you're good. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that um, you have sustained generations of people and of texts and of your scripture and of um, faithfulness that, that we can be here with opportunities that we have, with the knowledge we have, with the ability to seek you with everything that we have. Um, Lord, it gets harder and harder to live a disconnected life from from the world it gets harder and harder to remove ourselves from the pride-filled distraction that is the earth to remove ourselves from the desire for self-glorification to remove ourselves from the desire to be repaid for every work and every word um, it is so hard to remove ourselves lord so i pray that you help us to remove ourselves from this earth that you bring this message exactly how you want by your spirit uh jesus that you bring this message exactly how you want by your spirit into every heart listening into my own. Please, I plead with you, Holy Spirit, that you be here, that you teach through me. Uh, Lord, that this reaches the ears that it's meant to reach. And if it is to be uploaded to end up on this channel, that it do so. Um, but if not, um, that you strip my words from me and my tech from me and the opportunities to use these things and that you um, do exactly what you want for your most glory. Lord, let us all be seen in the way that glorifies you most, remembered in the way that glorifies you most. Let us handle the gifts and the opportunities, the talents, um, all those that glorify you most. Lord, we just want to be vessels as that is our best life, Lord. And we don't listen to that promise. We don't listen to that truth that we just need to be a vessel and our best life will come out. Um, God, you're good and faithful. We love you and we thank you. Um, God, even when we don't love you and thank you, we ask that you show up and do something radical, that you descend in fire over all the places that we invest in, that you've placed us in with opportunity and ministry and mission. Um, Jesus, amen. Um, so I guess I preface, and I heard this this morning as well, that's, that is the idea um, that <laughs> um, Scripture was preserved 
for thousands of years for us to hear it and be changed by it, for us to, to hear, um, I think it's Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the words of Christ, words of Christ being scripture, the scripture that 2 Peter 1 um, was inspired fully by the Holy Spirit through man. So not, not one single word in this book was written by man in the will of man, but all by the Holy Spirit through men. And it was sustained for years so that we could hear it. It was sustained for thousands of years so that you and I could hear it. And it, and it promises us in um, Hebrews 4 that it pierces bone and marrow. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And, it, and it, to our foundation, it, it finds us and changes us. It reads us back. And, and a simple devotion to it changes our lives. And I suck at this. And I so often push it off to a second, to another priority, a deeper priority, a deeper priority. And now it just needs to be at the forefront of our hearts. If, if not long-term, just for this moment that we can learn from it, that this is the word of God. This is the inspired words of Christ. Logos, what has been spoken, I believe, um, by the Lord, his perfect and good will for us, for our gain our benefit, his glory. So here we are. Let's go. Um, I am so sick of my own halfway unfulfilling selfish ambitions that, that get in the way. And I, and every single time they leave me feeling worse than when I set out for them to do something selfish, to do something that will repay me. It always leaves me worse than I, than I found it, than I sought it. And I'm sick of this. And I'm sure so many of you, um, if there's more than one person that listens to this, are also sick of this. And so I want to go to scripture. Um, these scriptures that have been placed on my heart uh, by inspiration has been told, me, told to me through others recently that have just been so relevant uh, to me. And it's all just teachings of Jesus or teachings of Paul about Jesus. Um, let's go. So Philippians 2, 1 through 11, others greater than ourselves. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. This is unity um, in love. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient." to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, in your name, I ask that you teach this message. If it is to be taught, Lord, I feel um, a hesitancy and a lack of confidence in stepping into this space. Um, Jesus, I pray that you show up and you teach. Amen. Um, hmm. So we literally are told so clearly what Jesus did, right? Doing nothing, not one thing, nothing, the word nothing. The Bible deals in absolutes. When it says something, it means it. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Obviously that's talking about, I, I just, that, that last statement. I mean, um, obviously things not told in parable, um, but the things that are commanded, 
They mean them. So do nothing, not one thing from selfish ambition or conceit. Do nothing for the sake of selfish gain. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves, counting every single other person as more significant than us, not only looking to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. This mind is ours in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit. That is our greatest fulfillment, is in truly doing nothing for selfish ambition and in humility counting every single person more significant than ourselves. In Jesus' most famous message, in the Sermon on the Mount, he opens by saying, so I'm in Matthew 5, I'm going to go 1 through 11, seeing the crowd, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This word poor I think it's Ebel. No. I'm trying to think of what it is. I don't know. I can, I can admit to you that I don't know. But this word in Greek means the lowly, the lowly of spirit, the lowest, the asking of spirit. So to those that inquire with the Lord, that are low and inquiring with the Lord, to the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He then goes on to, to encourage us in 13 through 16 about being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. But what does he tell us? Who does he say is blessed? He says that the, the poor in spirit, the lowly, the humble, the meek, Right, Those who desire him, that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who are merciful, who forgive others, who are peacemakers, who are pure in heart. And then those who are persecuted. That, that is a list of things that none of us often want to be. We may want to be a peacemaker, but we don't want to be poor and lowly of spirit. That is not natural for us. And we're only peacemakers because we want to please people and receive something in return for pleasing them. But to those that are, we are, we are to rejoice when we are spurned. We are blessed when we are casted out because we simply love the Lord so much that we act so counterculturally that people spurn us. They push us away. We walk authentically in who we are and people push us away. What a gift. I don't often listen to that. That it is a gift to be reviled for loving the Lord so much that you act so differently that people are pushed away from you or they push you away from them. And if we empty ourselves, Philippians 2 going back, taking the form of a servant as Jesus did to be born in the likeness of men, that even in human form, he did not act of God, though he had all the power to do so. He laid down his life in full obedience, even to dying on a cross so that we could live free. And we know now that we could be blessed. We can be blessed in humility, in being lowly and poor and asking, pleading, humble, merciful, this is our fulfillment. The Lord commands us this. So in his most, facing, in his most famous teaching, he, he opens by a message of humility. So what does this tell us about being low? I, I think like, like this is a message of lowliness that we need to see. So Luke 14, 7 through 11 um, was also put on my heart. Jesus telling a parable. Um, to those invited to a feast at a famous Pharisee's house, he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, 
saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at a table with you or at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. What if we searched every area of our life where we are selfishly putting ourselves in a better situation and we put ourselves in the lowest situation like water? Water always fills Andrew Murray in the book Humility, absolutely radical writings by the Holy Spirit in that book about humility, that water fills the lowest possible space all the time and then it can only be raised from the lowest space. What if we like water in every area, in seats at church, in places of worship at church? You might want to be in the front row so people see you lift your hands or you want to be closer to the stage in the presence of the pastor, whoever's speaking. Maybe it's um, in, in some type of eating situation or it's in, it's in some type of living situation. Like what if you just listened to the Lord? What if we just listened to the Lord and we took the lowest? We took the back corner with the worst view because the Lord asked us to. Who knows what would come from that? Radically. So humility like this is so satisfying. I, have, I don't think I've ever heard, I'm a, I'm, and, and I'm so bad at this, but I, and, and I'm seeking, Lord, I'm pleading that we all just be better at a radical humility that allows us to know you and feel you and seek you. God, that we actually listen and we don't believe lies that, that dilute our listening. Uh, we are commanded to be lowest, like water. And this humility will leave us satisfied. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say, and I've surely regretted many things on the opposite side of humility myself, but in my own life or in hearing from others, I've never heard anybody say, I wish I didn't serve that person. I wish I didn't expend myself for them. I wish I didn't do that for them when they asked or when they didn't. I wish I hadn't been humble in that situation. I wish I hadn't listened to the Lord and what he commanded in his word. I've never heard these things. They will never be a pure of heart statement unless they are fully in their flesh regretting something godly. But these are, these are things that will leave us fulfilled. Our pompousness, our pride, our moxie, our boastfulness is, is what we always regret, it seems. Like I, I regret so deeply the prideful moments of my life. And I asked the Lord to heal me of that. That I have hurt people so badly because I just wanted to lift myself. I wanted to lift their opinion of me. I wanted to lift their family's opinion of me. I wanted to lift their, their, their thoughts about me and how much knowledge I have. Or how talented I am. Or how it's so stupid. And I regret it almost every single time. But I walk aimlessly into it like a dog to its vomit so often. And it, and it makes me sick. I, I don't think, it's probably not hiding in my voice that it's so frustrating and in this blessed humility that is nothingness, taking the lowest place because the Lord asks us to, in the moments where by the Holy Spirit in me, because I know I wouldn't do it on my own, that I've done that, it's been so filling and freeing. You walk away with so few, so, so much, uh, so, so many less regrets, as I struggle to say that. 
The enemy is so good at feeding lies to us. I mean, he's so talented at feeding lies. He is the great deceiver, the greatest, and it's not close. He is the great deceiver, and it's lies about exalting ourselves. We want, we want to give 98% glory to the Lord. We want to give all of our outward praise, all of our Instagram stories, all of our, um, all of our conversations. We want to talk about the Lord and give him glory. But then there's like 2% that we just want a little bit. And the enemy says that's what, he tells us that's what's best for us. That if the Lord receives 98% and we receive 2%, then we're in a better situation than if the Lord received 100 and we received zero. And our expectations and our entitlements that come from wanting those little bits of glory rob us of the fulfillment and the purpose and the peace and the passion that comes with being as Christ was on this earth, doing everything we can by the Holy Spirit to walk as he walked in fullness of self. Because we are wired by bearing the image of Jesus, bearing the image of our Lord, of our God. We are wired to do things that he did, to give good gifts and to serve, and to lift others, exalt others, to take the form of a servant. We are wired to do so, and our fulfillment is off the charts. I've had a lot of loss in my life recently, and probably many of you listening to me, listening to this, know um, a little bit about it, but in that loss, I've realized that and it's been such like a beautiful message that was delivered through some friends going through hardship that, that I got to walk alongside um, reluctantly in moments, but joyously in so many. And, and, and a whole beautiful concoction of things that the Lord wrote something so cool to, to deliver the message that no matter what our job outlook is or, our, or the, the suffixes behind our name or our resumes or our bank accounts or even our talents, our times and our numbers, um, if your relationship is fractured and your identity, or if your relationships, if those around you, your community, are fractured and worrisome and your identity is shaken and unstable, you will be miserable 100% of the time. That fulfillment has nothing to do with metric values and everything to do with our posture before the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for that message as it hurts so badly for it to be delivered and it has been so fulfilling as it continues to be delivered and will every day of our lives that our greatest fulfillment is in a fully set identity in him and listening to his commandments no matter what the enemy, no matter what lie the enemy feeds us. Lifting every single person to be greater than ourselves in every social decision and opportunity, we lift others and exalt others greater than us knowing that in humility we'll be exalted. So in truly being lowly, like water, taking the lowest possible space, what are we promised? Because there has to be something in return for us. And inherently, this gospel is selfish. It is the best thing for us to receive the Holy Spirit and to walk with Jesus. It is the best thing. So we do it. Though we believe a lot of lies in fleshly selfishness about what would be better for us, as we think, though God you know, laid the expanses of the heavens and um, and created us intimately, intricately in his womb, Psalm 139, or in our mother's wombs, knew us before then. Like we, we still think we know what's best. We pridefully try to put ourselves in what's best, but what's actually best for us, right? There has to be some type of calling or promise or feeling that we get if we listen. Well, he makes promises to us because he's, he's a father who gives good gifts, James 1.17, right? All good gifts come from above. He doesn't promise comfort or a worldly repayment or money, or or like fame, or even like 
healthy, worldly relationships, or he doesn't promise romantic love. He doesn't promise um, like academic or like professional success. He doesn't promise those things, though he uses many of those things to give great gifts to us as we, as we learn to steward them in his name for his glory. He promises purpose and fulfillment and victory in honoring his commandments and in following them. And he promises that this victory is over sin and doubt and comparison, anxiety, idolization, frustration, inadequacy. We change our audience. We change our expectations. And we realize if we just listen to what he says, I'm so, I minister to us now. I ask that this, that this be planted in both of us right now, that, that if we listen to what he says in his timing, for his glory, our best possible situation for the raising of his name and his glory and the sustaining of our lives and his provision for us, we have to, we just have to do what he says. Cause that's all he adds. That's it's, it is this whole, the scripture is a cry to choose him. The scripture is a cry to say yes to our Lord and what he calls us on calls us to do. And so Matthew 6, 25 through 33, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father provides for them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That was through verse 34. He will care for us as we do his will, as we fix our eyes on him, as we seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. We seek all the things he commands of us, submitted to him prayerfully, and all these things will be added to us. The food and the clothes and the relationships and the things that will best gift us and best glorify him will be added to us. One of the simple promises he gives us. The simple and profound promises that we have to put aside our selfish expectations and pick up his good and perfect will. And in that is our fulfillment. Unreal. So now I look at Luke 6. We're going to go 27 through 31 and then verse 35. This is wild. And I think this posture will be so freeing for us if we decide to take it in the name of Jesus prayerfully by the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit. This posture is insane. And the world just does everything but this. But I say to you who hear, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. 
in verse 35, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Do we actually trust him, you and I, to care for us as we do what he commands? Our God, the Creator, who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, who stretched out the heavens by his understanding. Jeremiah 10, 12. Do we, do we trust him to provide exactly what's best for us, exactly when we need it, and our most fulfilling, passionate, purposeful life? Do we trust him to provide these things? Is he adequate to do so? He literally laid the expanses of the earth in a breath and he knitted us together and he made us exactly how he wanted to make us gifted in a way nobody else is gifted to serve a purpose nobody else can serve. Do we trust him to provide for us as we listen to what he says? It's that simple. If we listen to what he says, do we trust him to provide for us exactly what we need? Or are we going to continue to disconnect things from him as I disconnect my finances or my academics or my athletics or my relationships? As I disconnect my, my wardrobe and my family and my all these things, as we disconnect these things, what if we just didn't? What if we asked the Lord what he wanted from us in every moment? We stepped into everything and said, Lord, glorify yourself. Tell me what will do that. And I will say yes. And we listen to all these commandments that he's given us. The commandment that can be boiled down to, to, to something at the beginning of Philippians 2 that is consider others more significant than yourselves, doing nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit. And Jesus continues to elaborate as this scripture is perfectly knit together, talking about, I mean, crossing oceans for people who wouldn't glance at puddles for you because that's what Jesus would do. So I plead with our hearts right now, Jesus, please descend and do work in our hearts. We need to check our audience and check our expectations. Are we performing for people are we living to the standards of people? Or can we trust that if we do what the Lord says, we will meet the right standards for the right people to have the right people and right opportunities in our lives? Ouch, <laughs> my flesh. And to check our expectations. Where, where do my expectations, my entitlements, get in the way of the Lord's provision and fulfillment? Do I expect to have food in my cabinet? Do I expect to have clothes to wear? Do I expect to have people telling me they love me and reaching out to me? Do I expect to get to serve in a church body? Do I expect to get a certain seat in a certain classroom or a certain place? Do I expect that my car will start when I turn the key? Do I expect whatever? Where are our expectations? Do I expect return for what I do in everything? Anytime I serve somebody, do I expect them to pay me back or remember it or store that up on earth where moth and rust destroy? And do I expect to, to get something in return? something of monetary value? Where can I drop my expectations and pick up the Lord's desire for me to just serve, to just lay down my life and serve and trust him, the God who laid the expanses of the earth, who made his earth by his power, established the world by his wisdom, stretched out the heavens by his understanding. Do I trust that God who made me and provides for me to provide exactly what I need when I need it because I'm actually serving others and not allowing my selfish ambition to get in the way? What if we did? Entitlement just makes us consistently disappointed. 
We spend so much substance of our lives trying to find honor and favor in people's eyes. When the Lord is the God who created that, he is the captain of honor and favor and opinions. Do we trust him to mold the opinions of others to fit exactly what glorifies him most and fulfills us and gives us the right opportunities? Or are we trying to fit some kind of build and we're not praying about it, we're just trying so hard to say the right thing or do the right thing or wear the right clothes or drive the right car, live in the right place or whatever, whatever, whatever. And we do all these to seek honor and favor in people's eyes or to put ourselves in the best situation. What if we just prayed over all of these opinions and all of these things and by conviction, we lived free knowing that all we have to do is fulfill the simple commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Consider others greater than yourselves in all things, doing nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit, right? Giving, giving the other cheek to the one who struck the other cheek. Not withholding your tunic from those who take your cloak. Not asking in return for what you give, even if some take selfishly. We just laid down every aspect of our lives and said, yes, Lord, you know what's best for me. Because of all his qualities, he sustained this word for us to hear it for thousands of years. And we just need to open it and look at it. We need to allow it to change our hearts. What if we laid it all down and said yes to the Lord's calling for us? Matthew 20, 26 to 28, it shall not be so among you, as he's talking about the Pharisees who fight for positions and status and who pray out loud on the corners and sound eloquent to receive praise and all these things. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Literally, the God of the heavens stepped into a fleshly body, taking the form of man, and was the most humble man to ever walk the earth when he had every single excuse to be the greatest thing the earth had ever seen in a worldly manner and be praised from all continents, from all places, to sit on a man-made throne on this earth to be praised, and he laid down his life for others, the most, hu the most humble man to ever walk the earth. Luke 13.30 says, The last shall be first and the first shall be last. I think the gospel ought to kill our entitlement and slay our worldly expectations. And I, and I, Lord, I ask you into this moment and I ask that, that, that this is heard if it's from you. Everything in our lives is gifts on top of an already undeserved grace. If you got your heart broken, that relationship was better than you deserve anyway. My relationship was better than I deserved anyway if I got my heart broken. If I get fired or I get declined or I don't get into that school or get favor in that friend group, the opportunity to do so was already better than I deserve anyway. The only thing we deserve, if we look at our entitlement, we are entitled to one thing and that is to death and departure from the Lord. And everything that we get that's not that is a beautiful gift on top of an already undeserved grace. He will provide what's best for us, when it's best for us, all the time, in perfect timing, if we just listen and obey. Let's do that together. Let's go. What if we did? What if we did? So I have questions that I want to leave us with. I want this to, to really test our hearts. What do we feel like we are entitled to? 
Think about all the things that you feel like you're entitled to. And a really good way to see what you're entitled about is think about what you get frustrated over when you don't have it. JP, Jonathan Pecluda said that this morning. Think about what you are, and to think about what you're entitled about, think about what you get frustrated about if you don't have it. My second question, what expectations do we have that need to go? Where have we placed expectations on others, on the Lord, on our workplace, on our school, on our friends, on our loved ones, on our partners? What expectations do we have that need to go? And this one is kind of lofty and silly. What if we made every decision asking the Lord what would benefit others most and doing that? We made every effort in all prayerfulness to walk as Jesus walked. Right? As it says in 1 John 2, 6, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. What if we did? What would Jesus do in our communities, in our hearts, and in our lives? What radical ways would he show up and do works if we made every single decision with the sake of putting everybody around us in a better situation than us? What would he do? Let's do it. <laughs> all right, I'm going to pray. Um, Jesus, you are worthy of all praise. You are the high priest. You are Yahweh. You are our savior. You are our friend. You are our counselor. You are our leader and our guide. Holy Spirit, um, you are in us and you are working. I ask that you come in power and love and self-discipline. That you come in a radical humility that allows us to experience the Trinity. Father, that you continue to reveal to us what is best for you and your glory and what you want from us in partaking in that. God, I ask that we that you search in our hearts any grievous way in us, as you call us to in Psalm 139. Lead us in the way everlasting, in the things righteous. Lord, that you strip from us um, every, every branch that does not bear fruit, and you grow the ones that do. Um, God, you are the perfect keeper of the vineyards, and I ask that you make us a beautiful vineyard that as we invite people in, in all humility, that they get to experience your beauty through us by a growing humility that all good acts grow from. God, I pray that you cleanse us from the sins that we've committed today. We repent of all the things, all the lusts, all the frustrations, all the entitlements. God, and ask that you come radically into each of us today and do something amazing that we don't deserve. Lord, you are, you are Lord of great gifts. So I ask that you grow us in our wisdom, in our discernment, in our knowledge, in our faithfulness. That you grow us in your fruit, in our joy, in our peace, in our patience, in our service, in our humility, our meekness. Lord, that you receive all honor and praise from our lives. Whatever that means, you, you make us vessels of your glory. God, knowing that that's what's best for us and you will place us exactly where it's best for us. God, and I pray that we are marked by a love for others, as you call us to in John 14, by a humility that is radical, we are marked by a genuine desire to serve and to care and to lift others. Lord, I pray that you show us what's best for you and that we listen, knowing in return you'll give us what's best for us because you made us. Um, God, I pray over all of the, the frustration and the healing. Um, I pray over all the brokenness. 
um, that clicked on this, if anybody did, and in myself, God, all the ways that I selfishly depart from you and seek my own praise. God, I pray that you break us down to nothing and make us like water in our flesh. Lord, that we fill the lowest space so that we can only go up. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We ask you continue to reveal yourself to us in prayer and in scripture. God, and help us to experience you and share you with others. We love you. Um, in your name we pray. Amen. <laughs> Come on. Um, I hope that blesses you. I um, And I hope that the Lord spoke, because otherwise I just wasted 36 minutes. Praise Jesus. <laughs>